This is the Action Network Podcast. And this one is good. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello and welcome to another Sunday night episode of the Action Network podcast. Merry Christmas, y'all. It is December 26th, 27th when you're listening. I'm your host, Brandon Anderson, here with Raheem Palmer, wrapping up a Christmas weekend of NFL action. Week 16, we are near the end. And thank God this is a mess right now with all these COVID teams and guys missing games for injuries and everything else. Weird weekend of games. But, you know, it's football. It's the holidays. You can't complain. Raheem, how was your Christmas? It was good. I'm Happy Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. We got to yep. be all inclusive. All I got some gifts that I really like. I enjoyed it. I made a little money bet NBA. Made a little money bet NFL. We'll talk about that here on the podcast. So let's just get into it. Yeah, I enjoyed the games. I got to say, though, I'm home in North Dakota with my family. So my setup usually is red zone on the main screen. And then I got a couple other games on the side, whichever the good one is. So we got direct TV here. So I'm on the direct TV red zone. Raheem, I know you're not really the red zone watcher usually, but red zone on direct TV is horrendous. The dude on there, Andrew Siciliano, it's like he's reporting the weather from city to city. It's like, oh, we're going to this game over here. And oh, that's, that's a touchdown. I'll back to this. Like, I miss Scott Hansen. I needed him back in my life for Christmas. See, so watch I'm Red Zone. I'm going to be honest with you. I think Red Zone has fallen off. And I, the reason why I say that <laughs> is because I feel like Red Zone, they pick one or two games and they show all of those. So there will be other games that will, like, they literally won't show a score for like three different scores. That's so true. it's just like, I, I think that's, that's the one thing I don't like about red zone. And if you have <laughs> direct TV or you have Sunday ticket, pretty much you can put the screen up and you can watch every game and then have red zone on one yeah. TV. You got to have multiple screens. Yeah, that's true. I, I only got the one screen at my parents' house. So part, part of the gig for holiday weekend here, but Christmas can't complain. By the way, we are recording a bit early Sunday night, so we will not talk about Sunday night football. That is happening as we are recording. We will get to Monday night football. We'll get to our week 17 hot read. Of course, odds today are from BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. And we're going to start out with those two Christmas games. I thought they were the best two of the weekend. So back on Saturday, what uh, Christmas, first game, Cleveland in Green Bay. Yet again, Green Bay felt like they dominated most of the way. They should have had it. They let their foot off the gas pedal late. It really feels like Cleveland could have had this game, but Baker Mayfield threw his fourth interception of the game in the final drive. Green Bay holds on to win 24-22. Cleveland did get the cover, but another close win for the Packers. They stay unbeaten at home. What did you make of Packers-Browns? I think we might have taken two different things from this game because when I watched this game, I felt like the Browns actually dominated. I, I, yeah, like, I mean, look, opening drive, they score a touchdown and then missed the extra point. To me, that was a microcosm of the game. Look, they ran the ball down their throats. Like, it was like 1950. The Browns had 8.8 yards per rush, (laughs) 6.2 yards per play, 408 yards. 
219 rushing yards. Nick Chubb got whatever he wanted. It basically came down to turnovers. And Baker Mayfield, which is something that I've been saying for the past four or five weeks, he's almost unbettable because he's giving the ball away. He's missing throws. And then obviously you have the Lambeau effect. The Packers have the greatest home foot advantage in the NFL. And a lot of that has to do with these questionable calls that just aren't being called against the Packers. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. Cause I saw your tweet about that. What did the number come out to? Was it something like four and a half points for green Bay that they're getting home field advantage? Yeah. Well, what's the time frame on that? How far back? I did the last 10 seasons, except for teams that had a new stadium. Okay. I didn't want to do it like all time. Cause it's just, yeah. So four and a half, that, that's huge because a typical home field advantage, we're at two and a half these days, right? Is that, that's about the typical? No, I mean, I think we're far less than that. We're, we're looking at pretty much not like home foot advantage is almost nothing at this point. Like collectively, if you took all the stadiums, I have it at almost nothing, almost a half a point. So especially then if Green Bay is four and a half compared to a half point, like that's better than a field goal that the Packers are getting every time they play at home. So we've got as, as betters, we've got to factor that in on our capping. I mean, look, the, the, the Packers win by two. They win by home field advantage. And you know, there, there were a bunch of calls that went their way like they always do, that the refs just are not really willing to, to call some of those close, the pass interferences, some of those on Green Bay. Uh, I, unless, that, unless they're playing Brady and it's the NFC Championship <laughs> game. Like, that's really what it comes down to and really has to be factored in. If you're making a bet against Green Bay at home in the playoffs, they're not playing Brady and the Golden Boy is going against Aaron Rodgers, then you're in a tough position, fading this team. Yeah, so you're right that the Browns, I should have given the Browns more credit. I guess more what I meant when I said the Packers are in control is 24-12, you know, right after the half. At 24-12 with Baker Mayfield on the road in Green Bay, that's just game over to me. Like, at that point, I'm assuming, no matter what I've seen, I know they've been running the ball well, but Baker on the road in Green Bay down 12, I I don't see it happening. Now, it almost did, but that's kind of what I meant by being in control. But yeah, the 8.8 8.8 yards a carry. Chubb had 17 rushes, 126 yards. I saw this. So each each series in a football game, a series is anytime you start on a new first down. So the Browns had 33 series in this game. 16 times they started a series with a rush. Their success rate on series where they started with a run on first down, 100%. Every single drive they started, or every single series they started with a run, 100% success rate, meaning success is you're picking up the first down, you're moving the ball forward, you're in a position, passing, obviously nowhere near that. 100% is pretty good. You can't do better than that. And then we get the ball down near the end. The Browns are like almost near midfield. They're gashing the Packers run defense, which hasn't stopped them all game. Just don't let Baker throw. Anything but Baker throwing, hand the ball off three, four more times, get in the field goal range. You're down two. I know their kicker is missing kicks too, but the yeah, th- this is the rare, rare game where you have to run. Stop passing the ball. It's not working. Baker had five sacks, four interceptions. He should have had more. And it just the, the Browns defense and run game did everything right in this game. And Baker was the MVP for the Packers here. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I, look, I was on the Browns plus seven and a half, and we were lucky to get there. But look, Kevin Stefanski, I love him. He won an Ivy League championship at Penn back in 2008 right before I got there. So I'm always going to champion this guy. 
but I wanted to snatch his pen degree for the game plan that he put together <laughs> here. You mentioned all the, the, the rushing success rate stats on first down, but they had a 65% success rate running the ball in general. 48% of their run plays gained them a first down. Oh, and then on early downs, they had a 64% success rate. So it just was very frustrating to see the Browns just not take the air out of the football. Obviously, you got Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the field. Devontae Adams is absolutely unstoppable, except for the two drops that he had at the end, which were just oh, you know absolutely shocking. Because Can't believe he dropped that one. Just put the game away. And that gave the Browns life. But you got a dominant run game. Baker struggling and he's he hasn't this is not a new thing take the air out of the out of the ball and run the ball and I think this is a totally different game the Browns probably should have won that game but I think there's a lot to be concerned with when it comes to the Packers going forward I know Kenny Clark was back for this game and if you can't stop the run in the playoffs you can you can really set yourself up to be in a, a, a bad position yeah that's that was what I left thinking about this game is man if the Packers can't get off the field against these Browns or against the Ravens last week, like we're, we're in trouble because these are borderline playoff teams at best. And there are a lot tougher opponents to come in the playoffs. It looks like, you know, the win here is the most important takeaway because green Bay is an excellent position now to get the one seed. Then you get the bye week which we always say is huge and you get a couple home games, but man, so at 24, 12, after they took that lead, they did not score again the rest of the game. They had two more first downs. The entire game one was on the penalty when they jumped offside to clinch the game. 14 plays, 36 yards, basically the entire second half after that opening drive. So Roger, they did that last week too. Rogers could not get the offense getting some first downs. They're not running the ball there. They're 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 missing opportunities and their defense is not getting off the field. So yeah, it was a big missed opportunity for Cleveland. Credit to Green Bay for getting these wins. But uh, yeah, you and I are both in the same spot. We're not feeling great about the Packers going forward. You let a real opponent that's not the Browns or Baker or Tyler Huntley, you let them stay in these games, they're going to beat you. And all it takes is once in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, I, I got criticized the other day for saying that I believe the 49ers can beat the Packers. But they're a team that can run the ball. Like this yeah. is, they've struggled with that outside zone read for much of the last three seasons. And I think that's something that could come back and, and bite them. Obviously, they do have the home foot advantage, so they are the favorite. But you really do have to be concerned for this team, especially with Aaron Rodgers. He has his toe injury. So, yep. All right. Well, another big team in the NFC to be concerned with played Saturday night, Christmas Day, the Arizona Cardinals. The, the Cardinals on a three-game losing streak now, losing at home to the Indianapolis Colts. So we gave this one out. I gave you Colts plus four a week ago on the look ahead. And then suddenly the Colts are picking up offensive line injuries. Quentin Nelson is out. Brian Kelly is out. The right guard is out. Halfway through the first half, the left tackle is out. Jack Doyle, their blocking tight end goes out. We got nothing left. Like the Colts are literally down to six offensive linemen and one tight end for the entire second half of the game on the road in Arizona against a team that thinks that they're a one seed possibly. And this, to me, is just an inexplicable loss for the Cardinals. Colts win 22 to 16. Coaching disaster. I'll get back to that in a little bit. But Colts are really on a roll here. Plus three is where this one closed. They get the win, plus 140 to the money line on, on the win outright. Yeah, big win for Indianapolis. Do you take more for this game for the Colts, or do you take more uh, uh, against the Eric Cardinals here? 
look, they just made some critical mistakes. They basically just didn't play clean football. When you look at the matchup, Arizona, they missed a couple field goals. You, you had this, the safety. It's like if you take away that, like this is pretty much a tie game. So this is, this is just a tough situation because you, you have the Colts. They're missing Darius Leonard. They're just banged up on the offensive line. But it's just this Arizona Cardinals offense really just didn't get a lot going. So it's a rough spot. So we, we've talked a lot about Cliff Kingsbury on this podcast. We dumped on him a lot in preseason. We get, sang his praise as the Cardinals went to 10 and 2. I'm back to dumping on him. This was a disaster game for Kingsbury. So we know Arizona missed two field goals. They missed an extra point. And so they don't really trust the kicking game. But like Matt Prater, good kicker. You know, you have a bad game. You hit the upright, whatever. Life goes on. So we know this by now. The Cardinals are down nine. They're driving with the ball. Six, six minutes, five minutes left. It gets to about the two-minute warning. You kick the field goal there. You need a field goal and a touchdown. You got to kick the field goal while the clock is stopped. Get your kicker on. Get them set up. No rushing around. You're at like the 30, whatever. Kick the field goal. You're going to need the onside. You're going to need a second score. Instead, they keep driving. They keep driving. All right, so now you're committed. You have to get the touchdown now. They get down inside the 10. It's third and goal, and we're under a minute now, down nine, and they bring the kicker on, on third and goal. We're afraid of not running a three-second play for another chance at a touchdown here? Like, what are we kicking on third and goal for? They make the field goal, hooray, and then don't recover the onside kick, and that's it. It's just disastrous coaching. You know, that was, the, thing, the thing that was frustrating for me about that is that Ashley felt like they probably should have kicked the field goal earlier. Yeah. And they should have kicked time. it out the two-minute warning. Yeah. Either, either you do it as soon as you get in range and then leave yourself time for the touchdown, or if you don't, you, you got to get the touchdown now. You can be kicking on third down right near the end. Earlier in the game, Kingsbury used a challenge pretty early on a play where if he was right, it would have got the Colts to have third and 17 instead of third and 10. It's just not a good challenge. Like when you're challenging a play, you have to hope that you're going to get it right, but you also have to consider what's the upside. What are we getting out of this? The Colts later challenged a play or try to challenge where they thought there was a fumble that they could return for a touchdown. That's upside. You get a touchdown out of it. If you're right, upside is not third and 17 versus third and 10. They challenged it. They lost. It was a pretty obvious challenge that wasn't going to win. And then two other times there were, spots where you'd need to challenge, but then they couldn't because they'd already blown the challenge early. And so that was a big error for Kingsbury to look this team. We, I tried to trust them right coming into this three game losing streak. I was all ready to say, okay, maybe I just was wrong. Maybe the Cardinals are actually good. The defense is playing well. Kyler Murray, MVP candidate. I put a unit on him just in case he made a run. Not happening. Kyler is not an MVP candidate. The defense is looking awful right now. They can't get off the field. They've been really bad since J.J. Watt left. And Arizona's reeling. They, they did clinch a playoff spot th- thanks to the Rams beating the Vikings today. So they're in, but I'm not feeling great about them. And this was just, this is a game you can't lose. When you have the Colts with no offensive line on the road, and really they mostly took care of Jonathan Taylor after the very first carry of the game, and Darius Leonard out is big against Kyler Murray. You have to win this game if you're Arizona. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I know they did take care of Jonathan Taylor afterwards, but I think the, the run defense is still a concern for this team, and you're going to have to go up against 
Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. You're going to have to go up against Ezekiel Elliott and, and Tony Pollard. You're going to have to go up, up against the San Francisco 49ers and that run defense. The only run offense. You're going to have to go up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The only team that really can't run the ball that's in, like, in the playoff picture is probably the Rams. So, look, this offense has fallen off a cliff. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is out. We know about all the stats with Cliff Kingsbury. After week eight and later, he's eight and 18. So this guy gets figured out and he can't make adjustments. And that's going all the way back to Texas Tech. If you look at his numbers, he went two and four after week eight every single year. And one year he went one and five. So this game was like yeah. one of the more frustrating games for me because obviously, look, this, this number, a lot of the Sharks were all over Arizona. Laying a one and a half, this number closed three, three and a half. You got... It's just more – this is one of the weirdest years yeah. in the NFL in that this is one of the first years in which the clo- the opening line has been more efficient than the closing line. And this is one of those right. games to where, for whatever reason, it's just not going the way that we typically see in the NFL markets. Yeah, frustrating for me too. I mentioned I had the Colts plus four on the look ahead. I bought out on Saturday because the Colts had no offensive line. Like the whole point is that I thought they were going to run all over Arizona they didn't really. So it was the right decision to buy out, but I ended up buying out of the winning position. I still had a little money line action, so I came out all right, but frustrating to keep getting closing line value and it not coming through. By the way, Carson Wentz, we, we've dumped a lot on Carson this season. My guy threw an elite touchdown pass on that game-winning drive at the end, rolling left across his body, four defenders, and he's throwing into a pocket to some dude named Desmond Patton, who I've never heard of before. Wentz is throwing to Desmond Patton, Ashton Doolin, Kylan Granson. These are real Colts players that caught passes in this game. Wentz stepped up. Wentz was the, the MVP quarterback in this game. He made those big plays late to, to keep them going. Let me ask you this. So a few years ago, the Cardinals had drafted Josh Rosen in the first round and got to the end of the season and they knew Rosen was not their guy. Kyler Murray was available, and they made the ballsy move, and clearly the right move, to take a quarterback first round two years in a row and switch out. As recently as two weeks ago, Cliff Kingsbury was coach of the year favorite. I think the Arizona Cardinals should fire Cliff Kingsbury and bring in a real coach that can get this team where they need to go in the offseason. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I think I, I totally agree with that. Matt Mitchell has been saying this for years. <laughs> And I think the proof is in the pudding. So I do think, I mean, look, we came into this year thinking that the Arizona Cardinals would probably finish last in the division. And a lot of that was due to Cliff Kingsbury. And obviously they shot this, but I think they need to do what they have to do. But if they get into the playoffs, <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. Not, not feeling great about them. Let's go to Sunday. The big rematch between New England and Buffalo. We didn't really get this game, the real one, the first time. We were in a tornado the first time, basically, and didn't really get to see what these teams had. New England opened around two and a half, three-point favorites. This close, close to a pickup. New England was about minus one. The Bills even on the money line. And I thought Buffalo relatively dominated this game. They, they, were, they showed they were a much better team. 428 yards of offense to only 288 for the Patriots. Basically, to me, what happened is both defenses showed up. And it came down to the quarterback play and presumed rookie of the year. Mac Jones was not ready for the job. Josh Allen was ready. Josh Allen had, I thought, his game of the season. Bills win 33-21. Buffalo now controls its destiny in the AFC East. 
They only have the Falcons and the Jets left. So win out in their division champs. Big win for Buffalo. Oh, yeah, absolutely huge win for Buffalo. And I actually regret because I think we spoke about it on the podcast right after the Monday night football game where we felt like Buffalo was the better team. And for some reason, I came back to the fact that the Patriots had such a, a dominant effort on the ground. And I thought that would matter. And really what it came down to, like you said, was Josh Allen put the plays together. I hadn't really been trusting Josh Allen this year, but he did what he had to do. I look, he completed 30 of 47 passes for 314 yards and three touchdowns. He big time players show up in big time moments. And that's what he did. Yeah. That also 12 rushes for 64 yards. We talked about that on our preview. I thought Allen would have run more this game. And those are some designed runs and some scrambles on a clinching touchdown late. It was a pass, but it was a rollout bootleg where he kind of flipped the ball because they collapsed on him as a runner and left his guy wide open for an easy touchdown snag. I think Allen's decision-making and his legs, his ability as a runner was the difference in this game. And it really came through as a threat. New England just didn't have a way to stop Allen this game. When he was up near the top of the MVP board all season long, he's, he's not anymore. He's not going to win it. Not this year, this game. This is the MVP Josh Allen that might win it some year in the future. If he plays like this. Just a monster performance by him. Mac Jones, 14 of 32, 145 yards, two interceptions. Looked like a rookie playing a top defense in a huge game. You know, that's, that's not really a critique. You're a rookie. This is what's supposed to happen. So, yeah, Damian Harris was big. You were right. New England ran the ball well, had 103 yards and three touchdowns, kind of kept them in it. But this was a game where Buffalo, the scoreline never really had Buffalo totally in control, but it felt like Buffalo was comfortable most of the way. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like, I mean, up until the end where it's just like Buffalo and Josh Allen, they needed the first fourth down conversion. To, to pretty much put this out of range. It just, it didn't feel like Buffalo was going to lose this game. Now, I feel like the Patriots made a volley effort in the end, but it, yeah. it felt like Buffalo was in control. So, you know what I loved about this game too? I loved, we talk about this a lot, aggressive coaching. And finally, Bill Belichick was aggressive coaching this one too. Do you know that there were 10 fourth down attempts in this game? These coaches were going for it. They knew Every point matters. Every possession matters. And the Bills were three of four on fourth down. The Patriots are five of six on fourth down. So we're eight out of 10 combined on fourth down, just moving the chains there in this game. There were nine drives of nine or more plays. And these are by DVOA, the top two defenses, in the entire football and the defenses can't get out the field because they're just using four downs and just, just keeping the ball moving. The, the entire second half, was all nine plus play drives until the kneel down at the end. So that to me does not say oh, the defenses weren't good enough. No, the defenses were good here. That's just, that's good coaching. And that's knowing this is our Super Bowl of the regular season. This is it. This is the division. This is everything. We got to get this win. We're taking every advantage we can. That's why we got the fourth down opportunities. So we got more Allen running. And I, I appreciate it. <laughs> Seeing Sean McDermott and Bill Belichick, I just, uh, you know, the older I get, I just want to see some good football. I want to see the coaches do things right and play play the right way. I thought we got two good teams playing a good playoff game, and I thought the better team won today. Josh Allen was the hero. The stats show it all. Obviously, Buffalo one yard is 428 to 288 yards per play, 5.7 to 4.8. Third downs, 50% to 10%. Buffalo's clearly the better team, and 
this is a quarterback's league. So Mac Jones is going to have to learn and grow, and he's going to have to learn how to put the team on his back in these types of games. You know, it's a tough spot for New England, too, because losing this game probably means they don't win the division, which now means you've got your rookie quarterback, who's been very good as a rookie, but still has this game in him. Now he's got to go on the road in the playoffs because you're not a division winner and you got to go on the road to, you know, not necessarily the hardest opponent, depending on how this goes. Could be Kansas City, might be like Tennessee or Cincinnati, someone like that. But you don't want to go on the road in the playoffs. That's New England's bread and butter for two decades has been get the one or the two seed, get the bye week and just sit a week out and get the home game. Suddenly you're in the AFC title game. They didn't get they, they didn't get that now. So uh, New England's not even necessarily in the playoffs. They play Jacksonville next week, but the AFC is pretty congested. Final week of the season, New England at Miami. That could end up basically a playoff game. And again, that one's on the road too. So New England. And we all know New England has struggled on the road in Miami. Yeah, they sure have. So we'll see about that. They're, they're not a lock to get at this point. Also not a lock to get at this point is the Los Angeles Chargers. That is our stink of the week. Smell it, smell it, smell it. It's the smell. It's quite pungent. Dude, plug your nose. It stinks. This is your stink of the week. Los Angeles Chargers head to Houston for the freebie. Look, this is not just the Texans. This is the Texans practice squad. They got nobody left on this team. They're COVID ravaged of this team. They're missing eight defensive starters, four or five offensive linemen, Brandon Cooks, who's basically the only good player on offense. They're all out. The Chargers go from eight and a half point favorites to 13 point favorites by kickoff. So again, you're feeling great. If you got your early Chargers ticket, you're sitting on easy money here. And the Texans came out and really dominated the game for the most part. Texans 41-29, big win, plus 450 money line where this one closed, plus 13 on the cover. Texans almost hit the over on their own as the underdog. And this just an absolute disastrous performance for the Chargers here. Oh, yeah, it was absolutely horrible. I mean, you saw Davis, Davis Mills went out there and had the game of his career. It was almost shocking. And, you know, even when the Chargers were trying to make it a game, it felt like, they were they weren't going to be able to stop Davis Mills. I mean, twenty one of twenty seven, two hundred fifty four yards, nine point four yards per completion, two touchdowns, just an absolute dominant performance from Davis Mills. So you got to give him the credit. And then obviously we know this Chargers defense has struggled to consistently stop teams, but it's a little disappointing when you come off the Thursday night game in which you blown you already blew a game to the yep. Chiefs and you still can't get it done. Yeah, that's exactly it. Th- the Thursday night game, their last game. They should have had that one. They should have beat the Chiefs. And now you're contending for a top seed in the AFC and a home game. Instead, you blow that one. You come out and just lay an egg. And if you can't get off the field against Davis Mills, Rex Burkhead, Rex Burkhead has a career game, 149 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Davis Mills is 9.4 yards per attempt. Houston, the entire season, had not scored 24 points in a game against anyone but Jacksonville. They scored 24 in the fourth quarter against the Chargers to put them away. Pick six by Herbert, not good enough. It's not good enough. The Chargers have got to win games like this. It still feels too much like the same old Chargers. They fall to eight and seven now. So they are tied with the Ravens and the Raiders for the final playoff spot in the AFC, possibly Miami if the Dolphins win on Monday night. It's a damaging loss. 
the Chargers still got to play the Broncos and at Vegas and that game at Vegas in the final week, that's another one where that could be a de facto playoff game. We've got some very tight AFC races coming up and the Chargers were in a great spot and they're not anymore. This was a freebie that they gave away. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I actually have my own stake of the week this week. For those of you who didn't watch the Las Vegas Raiders take on the Denver Broncos, the Raiders got it done in the end. But when you're watching the game, the Raiders were half a point underdog. You might have been able to get them plus one. As I did, the Raiders are up seven to three. The Broncos punt the ball. The Raiders are at their own 33. It looks like they're about to drive. And actually, they're at their own, own 40. It's second and three. Josh Jacobs catches the screen pass. He has daylight in front of him. Instead, he fumbles it. Broncos pick it up. There's two minutes left on the clock. Down seven to three. And the Broncos, they get held to a field goal. So they get held to a field goal. There's 20 seconds left. If you have the Raiders, you're sitting pretty. Knowing that you're up a point and you're getting a half a point, you're getting a point. It's 20 seconds left. 99% of the time, a team that just turned the ball over, they're more than likely just going to run the clock out, take a knee, and go to the halftime with the lead. The Raiders don't do that. What the Raiders do, they try to throw a screen pass. Bradley Chubb jumps up, tips it, intercepts it, takes it down to the one. Broncos run it in with Javante Williams. Broncos win the first half. They're up 13-7 in a game in which the Raiders absolutely dominated. As a whole, the only reason why the Broncos were in the game is because of three Raiders turnovers. This is the game that Drew Locke just, he just couldn't get it done. 15 of 22, 153 yards. Raiders outgained them 342 to 158 yards per play, 5.1 to 4.0. It's just a total domination. But as you know, turnovers will keep the other team in the game, but the Raiders were able to clean up the turnovers second half, eventually got it done. But if you were on that first half, it's probably the bad beat. <laughs> it's it's a brutal first half beat. Raiders end up winning 17 to 13. Broncos unders 12 and 3 now on the season. Just doesn't matter how low they set that line. They just keep on going under. Denver ran 16 times for 18 yards. Just nothing going in this game. The Raiders have been terrible for like half of a season now. And they just crushed the Broncos here. Maybe the most weird, unpredictable team in a season filled with them. Denver, I think, was one of 10 on third down. Drew Locke, just get him out of here. Like, how did this guy compete with Teddy Bridgewater for a spot in the preseason? Drew Locke is horrendous. And yet the Broncos are still in the playoff mix. And they got to probably rely on Locke these next couple of weeks if Teddy's not ready to go. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's totally tragic. But I'm going to be honest with you. I think their season is it's headed towards the end. I think they're going to be one of those teams that next year they're going to be looking to see if they can get Aaron Rodgers. because. I do believe Aaron Rodgers is talking about becoming a free agent at the end of this season. I know that's what they agreed upon. They're going to be one of those teams that's looking at getting Russell Wilson because we all know he probably wants out of Seattle. And then obviously Deshaun Watson is still out there. So they're going to be a team that's looking for a quarterback. And I think they're a quarterback away. They got a solid defense. They got a lot of weapons. But this just isn't their year when you lose Bridgewater, who's just consistent. He played a clean game today, but as a whole, He's just not a guy that you can depend on. He's a backup in this league. Yeah, he's not the guy. Vic Fangio, not the guy either. They're going to have a new quarterback and a new coach next year. So we'll see where Denver goes. They're still in the mix. They're still playing uh, some uh, playoff games down the stretch here. So they'll have a shot 
AFC is going to just be a wild ride these last couple of weeks. We still got about 10 teams kind of fighting for the same few positions there. Uh, let's hit the rest of Sunday's action and wrap up week 16. The Bengals demolished the Ravens for a second time this season. Basically a repeat of the first game. 41-17 last time, 41-21 today. Cincinnati nearly hit Raheem's over. He gave that one out to you. Nearly hit it on their own with their 41 points. Josh Johnson ended up starting for Baltimore with Lamar Jackson and Tyler Hundley out last second. But really, Baltimore's defense took the day off with those quarterbacks too. Joe Burrow, four touchdowns, 525 yards. That is the fourth most passing yards in NFL history. Joe Burrow finished the season with 941 yards against Baltimore. That's more by any player against a single opponent in NFL history. And only seven guys in history had even had 800 yards against one opponent. Burrow had 941 on the season. So if you're Baltimore, you better hope you don't sneak into the playoffs and get a third game with Cincinnati. It's not looking good for you. The Vikings hung close with the Rams all game on the scoreboard, but never really felt in it. And a punt return touchdown was the backbreaker. LA wins 30 to 23. First time all season, Minnesota did not lead by at least six. Actually didn't lead at all this game, but they did get it back to a one score game. Got to keep tradition 14 of 15 on the season now. Rams cover and the game did go over late and the Rams win did clinch the playoffs for both the Rams and the Cardinals. The Lions stupidly kicked a field goal down seven with two and a half minutes left because why not? And Atlanta beats another bad team 20 to 16. Atlanta ran 45 plays in under 22 minutes of possession and beat the Lions anyway. They're seven and two now against teams outside the playoffs. All seven wins by one score. And if you got this one early when we gave it out on the hot read, you actually got a Falcons cover, even though the line moved late once Jared Goff went out and Lions covered the closing line. The Bears officially knocked the Seahawks out of the playoffs in a Seattle snowstorm. Nick Foles came back to lead an 80-yard touchdown drive in the final minutes, and the Bears went for two, got Matt Nagy a Christmas present and what could be his going-away gift as well. Chicago wins 25-24, and... That late touchdown hit the over, and the Bears get plus 240 on the money line. Cam Newton lost his 13th consecutive start for the Panthers, but the fans decided to boo Sam Darnold instead. Carolina loses 32-6. to Tampa Bay clinches the division for the first time since 2007 and hit the under thanks to their defense. The Chiefs also clinched their division. Six straight divisions for the Chiefs, 36-10 to over the Steelers. That just went over. Thanks to a little bit of late scoring by Pittsburgh after pretty lifeless first three quarters of the game. Down five with 12 seconds left. The Jacksonville Jaguars rush to the line and spike the ball on third and goal at the one. Just giving a play away because why not? We're the Jaguars. We do what we do. And then they snapped it with multiple men in motion. No idea what they're doing. And threw away the final two plays of the game. Losing 26-21 to the Jets. Eh, maybe it wasn't all Urban Meyer's fault after all in Jacksonville. And Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon threw 44 times for 108 yards for the Giants. A whopping 2.7 yards per attempt. New York had 192 yards of offense. The Eagles crushed the G-men. But good news, Giants fans. New York announced they're bringing back Joe Judge and Daniel Jones next season. Merry Christmas to you. All right, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and get to Monday Night Football. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, 
BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, Monday night. It is weirdly an important game that will affect both playoff races on the fringe of the wildcard race. I don't really know what they're thinking putting this one on our schedule on Monday night for Christmas weekend, but here we are. The Miami Dolphins visiting New Orleans to take on the Saints, but not just any Saints. No Jameis Winston. He's hurt. No Trevor Simeon, no Taysom Hill. They're both in COVID protocol. Notre Dame's own Ian Book will make his NFL debut. He's never thrown a pass in a game before in the regular season. He'll start at home for New Orleans. They are now two and a half point underdogs to the Dolphins with a total at 37.5 points. Will you be watching this one, Raheem? Look, I'll I'll be watching it just because the run that Miami is on, you kind of got to respect it. Look. The Saints are one of the most inconsistent teams in the NFL. They have wins over the Buccaneers twice, the Packers, the Patriots. They have losses to the Falcons, Panthers, Giants. They're just an up-and-down team, and you just never know when this team is actually going to show up. I'm betting it, it won't be this week. Obviously, Taysom Hill is out. You got Ian Book in the lineup, and the Dolphins are going to have all their, their weapons back. they got Jalen Waddle to return with Devontae Parker and, and Mike Jasicki. Um, this just is another spot where I feel like they're going to be successful offensively. I think they win this game. Brian Flores has put together a solid defensive package. I like them in this spot, plus three that was previously in the market. <laughs> and the way closing line value has been going for us this season, it hasn't been great. But I, I think at a pick them, I, I, I like them to, to win this game. Well, actually, they're minus three now. It's tough to lay it at this spot. That, that's right where I'm at. Before, before the quarterback news, you know, that's why the line shifted so much. You know, we got a quarterback making his debut here. Let's be honest, though. Is Ian Book really worse than Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill? We got a tight end playing quarterback for this team normally. So I think Ian Book will be all right. I don't care. I like the Dolphins a lot here. I love them. This was my favorite bet of the week before the line moved. Miami plus three was my top play of the week. I was devastated to not get it because I'm I'm done betting early. No more betting early. COVID is messing everything up. So I missed the spot this time to get the value. I'm with you, though. I still like Miami here. Here's a few numbers. Last six weeks on EPA, expected points added. Saints offense, 31st in the NFL over the last six weeks. And that was with a quarterback that's played, by the way, 
They're barely ahead of the Giants for dead last in the NFL. During those same six weeks, guess who's the number one defense by EPA? Yep, Miami Dolphins. Number one defense, number one pass defense by far. Dolphins run defense a little vulnerable during that time, bottom 10. And that's what the Saints like to do. They like to run, but they've also been bottom 10 rushing attack with the ball during that time. So it's not just the quarterback missing here. The other big misses are the two tackles for the Saints. Teron Armstead is questionable at left tackle. Ryan Ramzik is out in COVID protocol at right tackle. The strength of this team is its defense and its offensive line. And Remus in the bookends there. So here's what we got now. A quarterback who's never played. It's Monday night, Christmas weekend on prime time. And you got no blocking on either side against, oh, right, Brian Flores' defense, who blitzes every chance they breathe. And for Ian Buck, this is a rough spot for my guy. He's going to be under pressure all game long in this one. You don't have any receivers in New Orleans. You don't really have much of anything on offense other than Alvin Kamara. I just don't know how New Orleans is going to score here. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I mean, in this situation, it's just, look, I mean, like I said before, the New Orleans Saints are just an up-and-down team. You never really know when they're going to show up. They only scored nine points last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it just so happens that the Buccaneers are a team whose number that they had, they've been able to put pressure on Tom Brady. But I, I really like Miami in this spot. I just don't know how you can go about laying the three in this spot. It's just, look, if a game opens three and you're laying three, you're not going to win too much long term. So I do think it's tough to do that. But if yeah. you got to play anything, that's what you, you got to play. Well, let me, let me try to sell you on a total here. You know that you're normally more of a totals guy than me, but here's a trend I noticed in our action lab. So the total is at 37 and a half. I love the under with Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill unders are six and one lifetime when he starts because they're running the ball, they're chewing the clock, it's not happening. Now no Taysom Hill. So I was like, great, the under is out. Except in our action lab, since 2003, primetime games where the, the total is between 37 and 40. That's a very low number. So they're setting the total low, knowing we're not getting much scoring. Even when it's that low, primetime games, the under is 60, 39, and 3 since 2003. So 61% of the time hitting the under. I like the under here because it's not just that the Saints might struggle scoring. I'm not that much afraid of the Dolphins offense. The Saints defense has been very good. They just shut out Tom Brady a week ago. We saw that. The Saints have been number four DVOA defense on the season, number one against the run, number six against the pass. So I like the under. And if you're hoping for the Saints to win, I think that's the formula. Something like we saw last week, just no scoring. And you hope that you eke out like a 12 to nine win or something weird like that. But I like the under here. What do you think about the under? I struggle with it just because the number is so low. Look, <laughs> we're looking at an under of 37 and today's NFL the way they're calling roughing the pass or penalties or pass interference. <laughs> I can't go under on a, on a total that's that low. I wish you the best. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right. Well, I will take it. By the way, if you do like the Saints here, I think your angle is not just a Saints cover or money line. If you like New Orleans here to win, I think you play them to make the playoffs. It, uh, New Orleans still plays, uh, what is that? I think they got Carolina and Atlanta after this one. Pretty soft schedule. Atlanta is in the mix here, but not really. They're dead last in DVOA. If the Saints get this win, these teams are both seven and seven. You want to be seven and seven in the NFC, not the AFC. Miami's still got a tough road ahead. Miami's got to play this game, then at Tennessee, and then New England. 
So they're in trouble. If the Saints get this win without a quarterback, you're home against the Panthers, you go to Atlanta, the Saints might be a playoff team when they get the win here. So I'm not on it because I like the Dolphins. But if you do like New Orleans, I like playing them to make the playoffs. I'll take the under. I'll take the Dolphins. I still like the spot here for them. Yeah, it's not bad. I'm not mad at that at all. All right, let's hit our Week 17 hot read before we get out of here. Hot rock! Blue 17! Nice rights! Ice cream! Jose! Blue the Raiders! And of course, a word of caution. Be careful with your hot reads. Don't be putting too many units out here on these lines early. We're seeing these last couple weeks, all the COVID news, guys coming and going. I know I will be playing pretty cautiously here. I'll probably do half units on these, but there's still some value early. So we've got a couple of picks here. Uh, what's your first hot read for next week? I'm going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders. It's ugly. They're getting plus nine. Look, this Colts team really hasn't impressed me too much. I just think this is way too many points. I think it's just, this should be around seven and a half. So at nine, I'm rolling with it. Yeah, it's a high line. The Colts have been very good, but you know it's, it's hard to get much, uh, hard to get much more value than the Colts are right now. Like we know that their teams get overinflated on these lines, and yeah, it's a playoff, a playoff possible game here. The Colts are not necessarily in yet. They could still win the division. They can miss entirely, and the Raiders are in the mix. You know the Raiders have been very unpredictable, so I don't hate that one. I'm going back to the well with like my 700th time this season. I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers in an underdog spot. It's Monday night next week. Browns at Steelers. Steelers, I think, should be favored here. They were favored coming into the day, and then they were absolutely terrible against the Chiefs. That didn't surprise me. The Steelers are not going to beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. Kansas City is a way better team. It's a bad spot. But Pittsburgh, they just lay an egg sometimes. It wasn't their day. Now it's a home underdog spot. They went from minus one this morning to plus three now at home. Mike Tomlin against the spread as an underdog after week five, 35, 13, and one against the spread. We keep saying it because it keeps hitting. And if you add in a home game, home underdog, week five or forward, 12, two, and one against the spread for Mike Tomlin. This is a great spot. Cleveland's not good. Like Cleveland ran the ball. They should be able to run a lot on Pittsburgh. It's scary. But Pittsburgh finds a way in these home underdog spots. Kevin Stefanski is one in nine against the spread in the division. I have to take the trends. I have to take the Pittsburgh underdog spot here. Oh, yeah, I'm not mad at that at all. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's tough. I don't know, because they've been just getting outscored so much in the first half of these games. I don't really like either one of these teams, but <laughs> you got an underdog. I can't be mad at that. My second pick, this is as square as it gets, but... I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus 13 against the New York Jets. This New York Jets team can't stop a nosebleed. They probably should have lost to the Jaguars today. Dead last at EPA per play on defense. This is not a, a team that you want to back really under any circumstances. So take we're taking the Buccaneers <laughs> before this goes to 14 and a half. I see that one. Uh, I, I would love to, for my second pick, I'd love to take the Eagles here at Washington. However, again, we're recording this during the Washington game, so we don't really know where that line's going to set up. Philadelphia just played Washington on that weird short midweek game, dominated, like more than double them in yardage. I know Washington was missing a lot of guys, but I think the Eagles a lot there if you get that one at a field goal or less on the road. But since we don't know that one yet, I'll ugly it up with you, and I'm going to take the Detroit Lions plus nine in Seattle. What are we doing giving Seattle nine points at home? Come on. 
The Seahawks season is over. They're five and 10. Look at the last seven games of the season so far. Last seven games, Seattle is two and a five. They just lost at home to Matt Nagy and Nick Foles. They lost at home to them. The Lions during those same seven games have either won or tied or lost by one score in all but one of them. The Lions are hanging around. They're not getting blown out. They're showing up and biting kneecaps. And I think the Seahawks kneecaps are ready for biting this one. So I'll take the Lions plus nine. I can't believe we're getting so many points for Seattle here. This team is done. Yeah, this team is done. I'm surprised they actually haven't shut Russell Wilson down at this point. It's truly shocking because they don't really have anything to play for. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> Might be Russell Wilson's last home game ever in Seattle, depending on how this offseason goes. So that does make me a little hesitant. But then again, weird things happen. Seattle home game. So we'll see what we get there. Uh, that is going to wrap it up today at the Action Network podcast. Don't forget, if you haven't done so yet, to please rate and review the podcast. Not just on Apple, Spotify too. Spotify is now allowing that. We can use your five stars there. Ducky and Raybon are back Wednesday with their NFL six-pack betting guide. Raheem and I will run through the slate and the look ahead ahead of a New Year's weekend. Two weeks left of NFL football. We're getting close to playoffs here. For Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson, and this has been the Action Network Podcast. We're on to week 17. Week 17.